0: Facts do not cease to exist because they are ignored. Aldous Huxley. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Secrets of Saturn. I am Jason Lindgren, your host. On this episode, we have Zen Gardner. Zen Gardner began his online writing and blogging eight years ago after a lifelong quest for truth and several major life changes. His focus is empowering humanity to reach its full potential in conscious awareness and its resultant activation. He writes on a variety of subjects, from forbidden knowledge and our manipulated spiritual and historical context, to current political events, in an effort to dismantle old mindsets in order to encourage the awakening of human consciousness and bring meaningful change to a world that's under full frontal attack by powers that seek to deny humanity its health, freedom and ultimate discovery of who they truly are. And welcome to the show, Zen.
1: Thanks so much. It's great to be with you.
0: Well, it's wonderful to have you here. Absolute pleasure to meet you and have you on the show.
1: Thanks, Jason. It's a a real honor, and uh, I'm really happy we're in touch.
0: Yeah, me too. What I'd really like to get into is something I haven't touched with anyone yet, and that is... Uh, the in-depthness of social engineering, especially starting in the 1960s counterculture movement, and because it seems like around that time, the late 50s, early 60s, with the beatniks were kind of the first ones where they started going against the, you know, short haircut, kind of almost uptight mainstream of Western culture, and then obviously as the 60s progressed, it became the long hair and the rock and roll music and everything just became more boisterous and outgoing, and you've lived through all that. So I'd really like to discuss what you feel was really going on there.
1: Yeah, it's uh, that's a big question. It was really fun talking with you just before the, our, our conversation here, because it's a, uh, I grew up right in the thick of it. Um, I went to college from 67 to 71. Uh, and, uh, everything was hot and heavy during those years. I was at Woodstock in, I guess it was 69. And, uh, you know, it was, you know, it was normal fare for back then. Didn't know it was going to be such a big deal in future years. They kind of immemorial, immemorialized it and over, over uh, glamorized it, of course. But
0: Before we go any further, what, what was the vibe like in, at Woodstock? Just just to ask you that before we get into any heavier details, because obviously it's not every day you meet someone who actually was there.
1: Well, it's um, it was amazing, really, because friends of mine, I mean, I, I'm originally from the New York City suburbs, and I went to school in upstate New York, and other friends went, went to universities in different places. We all came together to go there, and it was in upstate New York. <clears throat> and when you got there, and I actually drove from the West Coast. I used to go out to the West Coast every chance I had, or the Rockies. And we drew, I drove back with one friend, and we all met there. And uh, when you got there, you had to pile, we had to park about 10 miles away. There were so many cars and so many people and walk all the way to where it was. There was no place to park anywhere. It was uh, so crowded. And as you know, there's three hundred thousand people, and they weren't expecting anything like that. Right. But the coolest thing that, when I think of the vibe there, was was the walk there, and all the people from all over the states, all over the world, freaks from everywhere. I mean, that was the word back then. Everybody was a freak. But, <laughs> but it, it's a. Uh, I mean, it was so cool, and and people were passing those big wine jugs around, and passing joints, and laughing, and getting to know each other, and just the excitement was something else. We, it was something was going on, and just just to, to all pull together, it, it it reminds me of what's going on with the alternative world today. If if we could have a a gigantic um, get together, you know, from around the world, if people could could come together, you know, real awake alternative people, and actually see each other, feel each other experience each other it happens in venues it happens in different conferences and different stuff but mainly we're we're connected online but if we saw each other in person just imagine the the jolt the the inspiration the the awesomeness of it and that's that's what everybody felt it was just amazing and plus the lineup of bands uh, it was just the top of the pops from those days Mm -hmm. and and, uh you know there's it was an amphitheater in the grass And they had it set up really well. The fences, by the time you got there, the tickets I think were like twenty-seven bucks if you bought actually bought one, but you got there and the fences were smashed, and you could just walk in. (laughs) There was so many people it was just like just came in and just took everything down. The cops did not touch you; nobody did a thing. It was almost encouraged the way it was handled compared to today, especially. (laughs) But um, the the excitement, and you had to find a place to put your sleeping bag on the hill because you knew you were going to be sleeping there for three days. I didn't make all three days because it rained so much. My sleeping bag was sliding down the the muddy hill, and I was freezing. <clears throat> Whereas the other people had brought tents, and they they were really smart. So after the second day, I was, I had pretty pretty much had enough. I um, I guess I wasn't high enough to stick around. <laughs> <laughs> but but the vibe was really amazing. On the same token, as I I thought about this for many years afterwards, as I continued to progress in my personal life. It was also very disappointing because it was, you know, like this guy Wavy Gravy got up there and said, "Hey, man, and this is so far out, man. This is like wow." And and but but and he was trying to get a sense of organization, but there, you had this really kind of eerie feeling that this movement really has no direction. And uh, I mean, it was love, and it was all these wonderful things, but it was out of control, and not that you want to control it, but it, there. It was a scary element to it. I mean, kids were hanging off the, the light towers, you know, naked, absolutely blasted on acid. Mm. And, you know, it was dangerous as hell. Lightning was going on and kids were doing crazy stuff. Hell's Angels were, were somewhere uh, biking around trying to do security. It, and nothing got super violent there that I remember. but uh, And there were really cool people who set up on the hill with tents for first aid, for free food. Some were selling some stuff. There was a lot of drugs getting uh, passed around and the cops didn't do a thing so it, it was uh it was almost like wow we can do this this is you know the this love revolution's going to happen and we're the we're the future but on the same token there was this also this sense of sort of an un not an untamed but a sort of a almost a dangerous chaos of a, a lack of cohesiveness like where do you go from here with all this and as you know the years that followed um and no doubt, you know, engineered by uh, surreptitious organizations, the CIA and all, mm-hmm. they they got in and and if they didn't initiate the whole thing, which I guess we'll be talking about, but um, they got in and misdirected it and got people out of activism and deliberately into spaced out Nowheresville, which today is manifested by, uh, generally speaking, the New Age movement that isn't really going anywhere. There's there is no concerted uh, sense of activism and uh, participation. It, 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 uh, what they want is this, this sort of a religious religiosity in the world that puts people to sleep, just like they have for for millennia. Right. <clears throat> but anyway, it was a it was an interesting experience. I don't know if that was very clear what I just hear, but that was kind of what I saw. I mean, the music was amazing. The, the the experience was amazing, but it was uh yeah, as you know, as especially as it just sort of was in a way it was over glorified or over glamorized or, or i don't know I, I, maybe i'm just too practically minded or something but it it just had a sense of where is this going like you know how cohesive is this what 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 is what's going to happen to this is this cuz it was ragtag which was good you know it, but you had this sense that uh it needed a sense of direction and clarity and and know parties are good but you know is this really are we going to make it this little fledgling new child is this going to make it in this big bad world so that kind of haunted me and as, as you know later years things evolved to kind of show that they truly did infiltrate and bring um, that try to bring that revolution to a halt both spiritual and physical to from questioning the government and a bunch of other stuff
0: well what it kind of sounds like to me and this is Really what I wanted to hear from someone who's actually there and, and is an awake individual, now at least, that that was sort of the very beginning of what probably turned into the awakening movement with questioning everything, especially mm-hmm. authority. And it seems like it was just incredibly chaotic at first because nobody really knew what was going on, but they sure didn't like what was going on. I mean, especially with the Vietnam War at the time, that was mm-hmm. probably the uh, the nine eleven of the day. It was triggering mm-hmm. people off like, what are we doing Mm-hmm. And um, the fact that it was completely chaotic is not surprising in the least. But by 1969, I would say the counterculture movement was really starting to kick off mm-hmm. because you had everything through all the 60s, and all the music by then was definitely getting
1: mm-hmm.
0: out there. It was it was definitely part of the mainstream culture at that point. So yeah, um, you kind of told me what I was already suspecting.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you're you're right in the sense that. Um, they started influencing it along the way and and it was obvious that they definitely didn't want people just completely waking up to everything, questioning everything so they definitely did try to influence it which is what I'd really like to hear from you is yeah. what started all this and what were they doing and then where did it kind of transform and, and different branches shoot off and all that?
1: Well, a few things come to mind. Remember, uh, the beat generation started back in the 50s and marijuana smoking you know, in the in, uh, New York City and San Francisco, the early poets. You got Kirouac, and, and uh, later it evolved into the early 60s. And eventually, you, you know, Ken Kesey and, and uh, the, the next generation of psychedelic writers were evolving. And all along during this time, you know, the, um, the esoteric was coming to the fore with Alan Watts and, and uh, Krishnamurti. These were, these were books that were actually in college bookstores. And now they're hard. I, I don't know if you'll find them there anymore. But these were like mainstays of anybody who was waking up uh, during that time. There was there was, this stuff was available. I, I was a philosophy major in in, in university, and uh, I I I opted from the classic guys to all, all this stuff that I that I could relate to. I mean, I didn't hardly go to any classes, but um, but what uh, was available. Well, back then, they were like, for example, Standard Reading was George Orwell's 1984. Mm. To ask people today, they've never, they've never heard of it. They've never <laughs> heard of Huxley's Brave New World. And you go, are you kidding me? And they're missing these cornerstones. So this, this really worries me about the upcoming generation. But anyway, the Beat generation kind of moved forward, and Dylan sort of came out of that. He kind of modeled, modeled himself after that, you know, the Beat poet image. And you saw that the whole folk movement, which captured my attention even before I woke up. Uh, folk music and what was coming out of that you got the pete Seegers and the and people like that, but then it moved into you know the it moved into the early rock and the um uh you know after Presley then it got into more and more rock and roll and uh at the same time right around that time slowly all of a sudden the psychedelic movement kicked in now marijuana is one thing, but psychedelics are are another right and and uh, now we know that people like Owsley and these guys who distributed massive amounts of free LSD in San Francisco, for example, they were sponsored by the CIA. This is coming to light now, as you and I were talking about ahead of time, because we're in the time of, of not because of, but it's a manifestation of the fact that we're in the time of revelation. This is the, the apocalypse. That's what it means. It's, a, it's the revealing. It's the peeling back of the veil. So we're, we're finding out now that they were actually using this for mind control Experiments and hoping to seed a whole generation and distract them from being uh, vocal about the war, about the military-industrial complex, which it was commonly known as back in those days. That was it was Eisenhower's term, but that's what everybody called it. Yeah. And uh, um, this this was this was in our language. It was very strong, and the 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 stance on of the of the awakening youth was very clear about the war and very clear about materialism. And most of us came from from wealthy families that had gone into the corporate hellhole and came out of dysfunctional families and said, never again. And we were looking for alternative communities. Cults arose all over the place. All kinds of experimentation was going on. But at the same time, there were things like the Assailant Institute in California where they were uh, um, putting together sort of think tanks on the direction of consciousness, and it was looking all – kind of innocuous but we find out later the cia was in there moving things around and affecting things and you can read articles about this on on some great websites but um involved in those was people you know mainstays like terrence mckenna and alan watts and even um who's the guy that said uh, drop in uh, tune on turn on tune in and drop out and it's not it's not
0: turn on tune in drop out Uh,
1: timothy leary no, no, he said it, but he's not the originator. Oh, okay. The originator is the guy who became the almost not the father of advertising, like Bernays, but um, a real innovative thinker. Uh, what's his name anyway? If it comes back to me, but he actually originated the phrase, and, and uh, Leary hijacked it. Leary's another one. Timothy Leary was very involved in a lot of these uh, these other agencies, and how willingly and the exact details of it, um, we don't know. But there's some great research available on all this. But the, as you and I were talking about earlier, in spite of this, the psychedelic movement and these these very deep spiritual experiences that people were being opened up to, it, it backfired. because, And it has continued to backfire, just as so much of what they do backfires. The awakening had got its own momentum. And I believe that a lot of these people, including McKenna and Alan Watts, they went their own ways and actually went off into what they discovered and broke from the program. I don't think they were trying to lead people astray. They were actually real psychonauts, you know, real, real psychological, uh, psycho-spiritual, um, pioneers. Right. As, as were many others. And, and, uh, you know, Babaram Das, the, 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 sidekick of Leary, he, he, he stayed a real, um, and, uh, he's still going in Hawaii and he's, you know, he speaks really beautifully about consciousness and he's helped a ton of people and he was right in the thick of that too. But it's something for people to get into and be aware of it. Another really interesting aspect to this, and a lot of people aren't aware of this, but one week before Woodstock happened were the Sharon Tate murders, the the Charles Manson murders. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you're familiar with that. Yes. It was was a massive, massive psyop. Um, I don't think – The murders happened, like they said. If you look at photographs now, especially the way people can see through them today, you'll see Sharon Tate is a fake death. Um, The blood on the wall, the whole thing was a CIA psyop. I'm pretty convinced that you can look up the Sharon Tate murder psyops. This rocked the world, and it really stuck a pin in the balloon of the whole uh, freedom hippie movement at the time, because all of a sudden – there's this demonic entity and these psychedelic people taking acid are potential killers, which is the same old M.O. And that happened one week before Woodstock to take the wind out of it.
0: So you think the whole thing was set up ahead of time to try yeah. and stop the movement in general?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, they the timing is everything with these guys. Right. And it's always got a cult symbolism and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But it was it was a setup. And even now you can look into it. There's some pretty freaky stuff about Charles Manson, not even in. Not even in prison clothes and all this, you know, where does he really live and this kind of stuff. And without getting into all that kind of, you know, detail and to, to distract anybody, just look into the subject. But if you look at the pattern and how much they're pulling this kind of operations now, these psyops and false flags, it makes total sense. <clears throat> and uh, not, by, not by reflective reasoning, but by, by investigation. But it, it, I was shocked to find that out, and that was probably only eight or ten months ago that uh, that came to my attention, because that was a real rocker. That that was a psych, uh, a psychic imprint that hit our whole generation and our and our parents as well. All of a sudden, your kids are in danger; they're potential killers, and all this stuff on TV. Kids are going to jump out of buildings because they're on acid, which is absurd. I mean, sure, it happened in some cases, but like Bill Hicks said. You know how stupid is that? Why don't you, if you can think you can fly, why don't you take off from the ground? <laughs> <laughs> right. Ducks ducks don't take elevators to go south. Right. But but um anyway, but, you know they sensationalize all that stuff just like they did pot. You know you're gonna this is this is your brain in a frying pan and all that stuff. Well, they first demonized
0: that with the Reefer Madness nonsense.
1: Yeah. So it was I mean, like
0: everything that came out that would yeah. open someone's mind, they demonized it.
1: Exactly. And we're always in the midst of this kind of trashing of our minds uh, by these same psychopathic, you know, would-be controllers. They, so you can kind of apply that whole meme on society at any point, almost any point in history, to uh, sort of dissolve the illusion around you as to what's really going on, it, which, you know, today is so obvious with the, now that we have the Internet to connect us and there's so much information available and so many sharp people right on what's going on you know you can see a false flag right off the bat i mean all of us default to that now if you see these shootings you can assume it's a false flag until absolutely proven otherwise which they can never prove they never show your bodies they never show your blood they never right. come to a the conclusion they never investigate they give you the same old hype story yep. There doesn't even that there doesn't even have to be an event anymore they can just say there's an event and and everybody will just go crazy and show some fake pictures and a few, a few crisis actors and they're, they're good as gold.
0: And do you think that's really what's going on? Because it's it really does seem like the big three is as they get called out, which is, you know, uh, 9-11, Sandy Hook and the Boston bombing. Does it really like in, in your opinion, was that for the most part staged? Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, 9-11 happened, obviously people died, but
1: yeah, well, Boston bombing is uh, I mean, it's been torn apart turned to shreds. It's, a, uh, I I mean, I'm staying here with Ole Domegaard and, and he's actually someone you should get on your show, but he's got a site called light on conspiracies. And we've been good friends for some time. And he, this is what he studies only because he wandered into this field over 30 years ago. Just, he got hooked on the JFK thing and via uh, looking up, he's from Denmark and there was a, a, a murder of a, of a prime minister up there. And, uh, there or Sweden, and uh, as he investigated, and he, this is back when you had to use libraries; there was no internet. Right. And he found out he found that everything was connected by the same these same groups. After years of very deep research, going to the places that it happened. So anyway, so we we discuss this kind of stuff all the time. That the evidence is absolutely overwhelming that these guys are um, pulling massive operations. I mean, you can take apart the, the photographs you see in the news, and you'll see these photoshops photoshop images there's one of a group of people uh in in paris one of these paris set up pictures and if you look at it closely if you know anything about photoshop you'll see that everybody in the picture it's a group photoshop everything is overlaid drop give you a specific impression how many people will notice that hardly anybody and we can blow the whistle we can try to point it out which uh he does very faithfully as do many others but um, these guys, their whole thing is. I mean, look, there's six companies own, own the the media now, and they're all in bed with the corp. You know, they are corporations. They're in bed with the whole military-industrial complex. They're right. making money off the war. They're they make money off our containment, make money off private jails, they make money off security systems. So we're you know we're pretty much in a a pen right now. And already, people think oh, it's becoming Orwellian. No, we're there. We're we're very much there, and. We're going, to buy, we're going to surpass what he talked about. Um, we already are. Well,
0: suppose. I call it a veneer of society because it seems like mm-hmm. everything's okay, but that veneer is so thin that if one little thing gets scratched, mm-hmm. you notice immediately yeah. that it's, it's not what you think it is.
1: Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. And look how many people like you and me that, that see this way. You know, it, you, when you research you're, you're, and you're growing in conscious awareness and, you know, our lives are, are being modeled after what we're learning – and we're taking steps towards, towards manifesting our, 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 our true sovereign selves and trying to help others do the same, things unfold to you. They, they become very real. And it's, it no longer is something you, you're analyzing with, you know, a, a measure of, uh, of, of, you know, kind of weird doubt. And it's not that we don't do this without, you know, very specific and knowledgeable research to know, know what we're talking about. But we start operating from a whole different level and these things become so manifest. It's just, you know, it's, it's almost laughable. I mean, it is laughable at times, except as we were talking about earlier, right now we're in a very, we're in a very dire strait because they're obviously after Paris, they're going for the big enchilada. Yeah. <clears throat> these guys are, are making their move based on this thing. It's not even certain anybody died in that theater. It, it's, if you look at the pictures of the so-called bodies, you see these bodies have been moved around, there's splat, you know, blood slides where the bodies have been moved, and they take a staged picture. There's not a sheet on anybody, and everybody sees that. That's the one picture you get. And everybody sees and goes, "Oh my God!" Or, or like Sandy Hook, I, I, Then I wrote the uh, the uh, the epilogue to the book. Nobody died at Sandy Hook. That Jim Fetzer put out that that uh, um, Amazon banned. And as a result, it's going viral, and it's a good book for anybody to take a look at. It's called Nobody uh, – well, that's called Nobody Died at Sandy Book. Hook. Actually, it was the book before that I wrote the epilogue for, and that's – and I suppose – and, and so we didn't go to the moon either. And that's talking about you know, some really heavy-duty ones about you know, the moon hoax, the NASA hoax. And, uh,
0: I'd like to know more about that too, actually, yeah. especially because that, that gets right into the whole time period we were talking about, you know, 1969. Exactly.
1: So what exactly. was that all about? exactly and then all of a sudden we stopped going to the moon what's that about if we, if we had this I mean, we went on went to the moon with the, the technology of a of a, of a of a of a of a not even of a cell phone the cell phone was way advanced to what they had back then and then they say that they left the camera on the moon and it was a Hasselblad camera which cannot make it through the van allen belt it's radio it's radiation belt they didn't have protection for it the film would have been fried they come back with like 10,000 pictures in you know, they're supposedly shot from some of the guy's chest and they're all like perfectly staged. I mean, the hoax is massive. And did it work? Think about it. It worked like a charm, you know? Well, and most people
0: country. do think we went to the moon and I'd like to think that we did it, but there's so much evidence. And I'm not talking about people ripping the photos apart and all that stuff. There just seems like a couple of real practical things. And you hit on one of the big ones for me is, okay, how did they get through the radiation belts? Right. That's exactly. all I want to know. That that I want that explanation because from what I've – I'm fairly familiar with modern science and we mm-hmm. do not, we did not have the technology in the 60s from what I understand no, to no. shield human beings from the radiation no. belts.
1: You look at their spacesuits. There's nothing to them. And then you – I mean you look at the footage. It's, I mean the, the footage is taken apart right, left and center. There's so many things that are hokey about it. But uh, – Wernher von Braun, a lot of people aren't aware, when they first went to him with this idea we want to go to the moon, he said, you're crazy. He said, that's insane. You would need a rocket twice the height of the Empire State Building to reach the moon. He says, it's not possible. You can't possibly build something that, that can get out of the Earth and go, get up there and get enough speed to go that far, and the chances of being able to land something on there, never mind get there, <laughs> to land something and get it off the moon and come back, <laughs> like it's one in a bazillion, you know, and they, they supposedly pulled it off seamlessly. Well, that sounds like, uh, like what's his name? Who's the producer? Uh, Kubrick? Stanley Kubrick. Stan, Stanley Kubrick. It, 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 was, it was perfectly executed, but it was a Hollywood set. And uh, very smart, and there's all kinds of glitches that people want to get into it. Actually, get the book. Um, so we didn't go to the moon either. James Pester was the editor. I wrote the epilogue. I, I talk about the awakening and processing alternative information. Just to help people who are stumbling on this, it also talks about a double of Saddam Hussein that we saw um, He was actually killed right after the thing, just like Osama bin Laden and they used a double for a long time oh yeah and you know that kind of it 's standard operating procedure. These guys spend billions trillions of dollars on these things. This is all they do. they have think tanks and an un- unending supply of money this idea that there 's some limit and a certain amount of money being spread around, even if we print it it is insane these guys have unlimited resources they're doing what they want behind yeah. the scenes and all this stuff you hear about underground tunnels and secret space stuff or whatever i mean it's all very believable because they've got unending resources and we're only told what what they want us to hear so it's up to us to dig as deep as we, we can get but a lot of stuff is going to be next to next to impossible to get a hold of but slowly thankfully very brave whistleblowers are coming forward they They've had enough. I mean, some ex-general just came out today talking about his concerns. An ex-NATO higher up, I think it was, uh, saying that his, his concerns about geoengineering—that you know, this this spraying of the skies is really a seriously bad idea and having bad consequences. And he's the biggest the, the biggest guy to speak up about it yet. <clears throat> but you know, the, I mean, there's another example of the insanity that that we're witnessing. They, it's right in front of your face. The, Sky being sprayed massively, yes, and yet they deny it's going on.. Yeah. And you know at the climate conference they've got 30,000 uh, lobbyists and scientists meeting aside from the, the G20 boys, aside from them, in other places, working out deals for what's really going on and, and who's financing what and what's the program's going to be here and there. You know we're not hearing a peep about that, but that, that's the real stuff going on under the table. But of course, we're not supposed to know, and people people have been taught not to care, and not to ask questions, or just sort of humph and make a little gripe or think, oh well. Like my old friends say, well, if 9/11 was a hoax, and the, you know, surely somebody would have said something. We would have seen it on CNN. <laughs> and, it, and it's like, uh, besides the insanity of such a statement, a lot of people did say something. They did. And as as you probably know, 25 so known people have. Mysteriously died. Yes, you know, including that Rodri- Rodriguez guy, a very brave man who was right there inside the building when, when the that guy came up the elevator, and I think it was the second tower, flesh all off of his body and hanging off his body, and he went. He met Bush. He met all these people, and you know he testified they didn't put anything in the in the 9/11 report, and all of a sudden he dies in a car crash or heart attack, and it went on and on and on. The the the, the guy, the, the demolition expert from Holland. Who, gave an amazing uh, uh, talk about how that was obviously demolition uh, work. He, w- he was killed. It's they, they take out the key people, and it, it is that weird. It is that nasty in the world today. But I, I I still maintain it's nothing to fear, and it's all the more reason for us to be motivated to really crank our voices up and out and get the message out. Because we can also, um, you know, Build the love. Build build the the, uh, the togetherness. Build build community. Um, you know, let's let's live in that space and in, in that vibration we know to be true. While at the same time reaching others and empowering others, and give it our best shot because we really have an opportunity right now to to make a massive difference. No matter how bleak it might look out there with all their bravado and headlines and. You know, false flags and, you know, screaming heebie-jeebies about, yeah. you know, about the this ISIS thing, which, of course, you know, they created. It's it's uh, a lot of people are getting it, a lot more than they'll ever let on. But you can feel it. And and I, I, with my website, I get a lot of comments and I get a lot of emails every day and I have a lot of great friends we, I network with. And there's a lot of people. I keep saying a lot, a lot, don't I? <laughs> the, the people are waking up and... and they're coming to their senses, and they're going on to alternative media much more than than we, even we realize, because they're fed up with the bullshit. They're fed up being handed this pablum that makes no sense, and even the, the statistics of mainstream media are dropping like a rock. And so th- that's why they're having this clampdown right now, and that you know the next step is they're going to put some kind of censorship stuff, which they're already starting to do. They're arresting people for comments on Facebook and Twitter. So it's, it's getting worse. It's getting, it seems to be getting worse on the, by the day on the outside. <clears throat> but I see it as a, that's a call to action. That's a call to rise as the warrior spirits we are, to respond even stronger and get the word out and, and even look for people on the inside to, to speak up because I know they're biting their nails. There's so many people on the inside that really know what's going on but are afraid to speak up. They're going to lose their job, going to lose this, going to lose that. Well, guess what? You're going to lose your kids. You're going to lose your life. You're going to lose your health. You're going to lose your country. You're going to lose your sovereignty. You're going to lose your freedom. Yes. So, what more do you need to have as a threat to speak the hell up about what the hell's going on? You know, strap your balls on and let's get with it.
0: Well, there's got to be people on the inside.
1: Totally. No, no, yeah. Go ahead. It, it, that's totally true. Well, I was going to say
0: there's got to be people a lot on the inside who who know at least some of what's going on because they're doing a lot yeah. of subtle things to yes. to stop people like you and me really like I have a friend who gets disabled all the time just on Facebook because he posts a lot of stuff and he bombards it daily so they're always doing little mean tricks on him and then there's you always hear things about YouTube channels being pulled and things like that and it's never anybody doing anything you know stupid it's always like about real topics you know so there's not just one guy sitting at a keyboard doing this all over the planet there's got to be lots of people who get the word from wherever, like, hey, this person's got to be pulled. Yeah. Yeah. So those people need to come out and start speaking up and saying, hey, uh, I was told to do this because you're saying too much.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And it just, it, you, we have to think about the, uh, uh, I don't know what they call it. It's not the hundred mon- monkey effect. But w- when one person stands up and then two people stand up and then four people stand up and then eight people stand up, you know that that kind of a mathematical progression of when things start to pass on uh, and it's you know it, it starts things start happening exponentially when when those things go on they have amazing amazing effects and they can they can be on a small scale they can be on a large scale I mean they've so-called proven statistically and through studies that when ten percent of the population catches on to a new idea all of a sudden it goes mainstream all of a sudden it becomes accepted whereas before it was condemned like the famous quote about first they first they you know ridicule you then they fight you and you know and they condemn you and then you win right it's, it's, a, it's well, the same a thing well that's the
0: one in ten rule too that if one person knows something they're going to tell ten other people yeah yeah so that's how that works if, if you get one person who's definitely adamant about like hey I know I know something very important I got to tell people they're going to. And then those people tell people that that's how these things spread. Um, That's actually a a corporate advertising thing that you never want. Uh, I used to work for restaurants when I was a kid. So they always be like, hey, one person has a bad experience. They're going to tell 10 10 people. But that works for everything. you know.
1: That's right. They always say word of mouth is your best advertisement. Yes. And it's true. You know know how it is. got a good friend that comes up and you say, hey, do you know this guy? Or have you been to this restaurant? Or what do you think of using this product? Or. Or, you know, if, you're, if you've ever listened to this guy speak or his music and you hear somebody's heartfelt response, that has a massive effect. Whereas, whereas, you know, when you don't know anything about it and you're picking up bits and pieces of information, it doesn't have the same effect. Although, I must say, um, researching now is, is, much, is much more powerful because you can go, let's say you're looking up a book and you want to read comments or get ratings on stuff. And as long as you can't, you, they're not tampered with, which you can never be guaranteed of, you can get a good feel for stuff by hearing different people's reactions to things, which you could never do before, not at the touch of a, a keyboard, you know.
2: Right.
0: I agree
1: with so you. That, so that's really, that's really helpful. But, yeah, what you're saying is so true. It, it's all about passing it on. That's why I tell people that, you know, people look at Mahatma Gandhi and they have these ideas of these great activists and Martin Luther King. And, gosh, I could never do something like that. I, I could never be such and such. And they give up. They think it's either or, and they don't realize Gandhi was just a little Indian lawyer in South Africa. Obviously sharp, obviously motivated, obviously had a conscience, but he just evolved as he evolved. He just kept following his heart. Eventually, went back to India, and we, we know the rest of the story. It was because of his conviction and this, the pureness of his of his message, he had the massive effect he did, and set a precedent for nonviolence. You know, for standing up to government. You know, unjust government that has you know, rocked humanity uh, since and set an example for so many, although we're not seeing enough of it anymore. But um, that he was just, you know, he was you. He was me. You know? it's, it's us saying, yes, I'll do it. Yes, I see the need. I will step into it. I'll lay aside what I thought was, was important. Now that I know this is more important, it's, it's waking up. And you go, that's more important. I need to do that now. And especially in light of the fact that they're poisoning our food, they're poisoning our water, they're poisoning our air, they're closing down. I call it the U. The American Gulag. Um, it's it, it's happening all over. For goodness' sake, can't people see? It's time to wake up and act and get radical. You know, get become the warrior that you're being called to be. Things have changed. Let the old paradigm go. Let it. Let your self-image go. Let your your personal goals wishes and wants go because there's something more glorious for you to fulfill that that will affect not just your life amazingly but everybody else's and the future of the planet and the present of the planet even more profoundly because uh this thing about awakening is a very dynamic very dynamic interdimensional thing when if you call it the morphic field when people wake up and they their energy awakens and they start um it's like a transmitter and they transmit into this field and they no longer are part of the problem. Like they used to say, they're part of the solution. So we can either be a sap and, and draining on the, the body politic and contributing to this ugly matrix of control and deceit, or we can be part of the, of the solution and changing it. And each person affects it. Like look at a swimming pool. There's not a ripple in it, throw a rock in it. One rock, wham, it's all over the place. Yep. And it, that's, that's us. Each of us is that rock. And with these guys, I, I, like, I, I like to imagine like there's a swimming pool and they're putting a wave pattern in it. Just imagine they're shaking this thing up and down and they want the pool to move a certain direction. They want everybody to have this certain experience. They're putting their vibration in it. they imagine it as waves. And what can we do about that? Well, guess what? Jump in the freaking pool. You know what you're going to do? You're going to scramble their waves all over the place. The pattern no longer has control over you. The, the signal does not come on as strong. You you've broken all, it all up. You know what it gets? That gets all the ripples and things go all, all over the pool. Those waves,
2: mm-hmm.
0: those
1: controlled, designed waves, are no longer having the effect they used to have. And that's what the awakening is doing. Well, it's,
0: that's also why the uh, yeah. I was going to say that's why all the uh, the social bombardment is getting worse. You know, all the distractions. It's just more and more and more. I mean, everything's so over the top now. It's to me looking back on it, it's ludicrous. And I don't watch much mainstream TV. I really mm-hmm. don't watch any of it. But every now and then, when I catch something, I'm like, "Oh my god, it's, it's so blatant and over the top now."
1: Yeah, oh yeah, it's it's too much. I can't watch it.
0: No, it's it's like it's obvious to me now.
1: I mean, I, maybe I'll be in a restaurant and uh, I, I, the, the TV's on. I, I I'll ask them to turn it off, or I just try not to look at it. I might look for a little bit to see what kind of garbage is going on, but I get away from it. I mean, I've got friends who are being literally attacked. Not just by the EMFs, but they can tell it is a directed energy stuff being turned on at night. And they can feel it. Um, it's in certain areas. It's a lot in cities. It hits certain people who are activists. There's very weird stuff going on. These cell towers are not what people think they are. Just look at a big one. They've got how many different types of antenna are on there. Well, those are how many different types of weapons, call them. You know, it's, this isn't just some innocuous transceiver of information. These things, they're built to literally, like you're talking about, these waves, they're using everything they can. They're coming at us genetically. They're coming at us transhumanly with this uh, putting technology into our body, giving kids a fascination for staring at their phones, their computers, and just going into this virtual world. I mean, these are all a form of warfare on humanity. The idea is to transform us into sort of a clone race that loves its slavery that's been the goal all along so people are dumber people are their, their genes are screwed up their minds are scrambled from these emfs and radiation i mean you look at the amount of toxins and poisons it is off the charts yeah you know and on top of this you got these psychological things going on that's stuff called cognitive dissonance and uh, and what i like to call it is more like disassociative disorder people people are going psychotic. they're not just having cognitive dissonance. people are going are going whack they're, they're, they they're can't make two two things meet anymore. You know cognitive dissonance is you've got two opposing views that don't make sense, and so we you know somehow we synthesize a solution in the middle or we allow them to, and we go with that, which is neither one or the other, so it's not true either, but that's the synthesized one that the media the, or that we call it the matrix of the system is putting out there. Whereas really in your heart, you know that this is a freaking lie on one side, whereas this is the truth on the other. How can there be a middle? And but but dissociative uh, disorder is when people can't make a connection anymore, and that's what's going on. They watch a false flag, and they might and, and they might go, oh gosh, that's too bad that they weren't allowed to see the baby, the the children in the coffins at Sandy Hook. Oh, that's too bad we never saw one shot inside the schoolroom with all the bullet holes in the wall or. It's too bad we never saw this. And Oh, it's too bad, um, you know, never mind all the alternative stuff, the place the fact that the school was closed prior to this operation and all this stuff, you know, the obvious they bulldozed it and they had to sign of, sign of affidavit saying they wouldn't talk about what they found when they, when they took the place apart. Huh. People can't even make those connections that even if that news is let out, it just rolls off their backs because they bought the first story and, and what they do on top of that is they'll run another story, they'll have another false flag, another incident, you know, stupid stuff. Like this reporter who got shot on camera, and this guy's doing a selfie on a stick or something while he's walking up to the lady, like like it's a video game. Right. He shoot. Remember, he shoots her five times, and she keeps running. He's almost point blank, and she keeps running down the aisle. <laughs> who, who who even notices that? I mean, she would have you would have seen blood flying out of her, and she would have dropped like a rock. It's it's. You know, or the, remember the guy on the street after the um, – was it Charlie Hebdo or whatever? They're chasing down the road, and the guy comes up with a 16 and puts a headshot on this guy, and you see the dust go off on the sidewalk, and there's not any blood. His head would have been completely blown up like a pumpkin.
2: Hmm.
1: And there's no no blood whatsoever. And it was so taken apart that they have to start taking down the original footage. It was too bad because everybody's downloaded it, and it keeps going on the Internet.
0: Well, I think the Internet is going to be the one thing that – could really bring down all these creepy old men behind everything.
1: Yeah. Well, that's why they want to, they want to um, control it really bad. Yeah, regulate it. And... Yeah. And they, I mean, now they're arresting people in, in uh, uh, I don't know where it was. I think Belgium, some girl said something anti-migration or critical, and they came and arrested her. Or I've got friends um, friends with friends in France who went to demonstrate peacefully in a different place, not even at the G20, about things from fracking to rights in Ecuador to all kinds of stuff. And they had a, a hundreds of undercover cops in the crowd, all of a sudden went went whack on everybody and were beating old men in the knees and arrested everybody, threw them in wagons and took them away. I mean, and, you know, you won't hear about that, but these were people that were there and saw it. And I mean, there, there maybe there was some coverage, but it, it is insane. So... You know, just like this new thing that came out today, where Obama, uh, the the wet cardboard cutout, um, <laughs> I hate to give him credit for anything because he has nothing to do with anything. Right. But um, uh, there, you know, this thing about uh, where they can just go and assassinate anybody—they've got a new word for it. That's scary as shit. Uh, some one of these distant technical terms. Not, it's sort of like rendition, you know. So it has nothing to do with the fact that they're murdering or torturing. It's, you know, it's it's a different kind of a term that just dis- causes that dissociation again. But you know, they've got the freedom to pick anybody anywhere and take them out all over the world. So they're they're not happy with just the American Gulag. They want a worldwide Gulag. They they want this place on lockdown. And uh, you know, I mean, that's one of the reasons I moved out of the states years ago. I mean, I've i spent half my life out of the states, and I had a big problem going back to it but i did i've got a lot of kids and grandkids and they wanted to get set up and we did and i you know i went through whatever i had to go through but i got the hell out of there again and i encourage other people to do the same but you know believe it or not i think like eight percent of americans even have passports right. they don't even they have, haven't got a clue that the day might come you don't want to be there but the trouble is when that day comes the porters going to be closed yeah you know the, the razor wire is going to go up so people need to think ahead of time they got to act. Consciously and not reactively, but unfortunately that's not human nature. They wait till the the two by four is about two inches from their head before they duck <laughs> and it's really sad, you know it's very sad
0: Well, since you see different countries what what are you seeing as a difference between the United States and all these other places you've been
1: Wow well um I've lived in probably i I've been to over forty forty five countries I've lived for long periods of time in about twenty. And, uh, to, to be honest, when I first got out of the States, uh, in my early 20s, it went to Europe. I was embarrassed because I stood, stood out like a sore thumb and I saw the rest of the world, how they saw Americans, these, you know, not, don't have a clue. People, um, never been outside of the world. I mean, Americans are so insular that all these I mean, they even get a different time magazine cover than the international version. It, it's their, <laughs> their, their headlines are different that, they have no idea how, how mind-controlled they are. They have no idea and, and the, how regulatory their system is. They think they're in the land of the free and the home of, a, of the brave. Bullshit. It, it is so far from that. But, you know, as long as they can go to a football game and, and, and scream and paint themselves and, you know, play war games and uh, it, I, they seem to be happy and they get their four-by-four to, four to run around on the weekend. I mean, it's really sad. It's like children. It's like it's like it's like it's it's dumbed down children, you know,
0: I think you just hit on uh, the most important thing when you said they're happy. I don't think they are. I think the thing is and what I've noticed with the with the massive cognitive dissonance is that people aren't happy. They're not. So they're looking for the next distraction to try and Mm -hmm. fill the void that they're feeling. But what they're not realizing is it's because they're not actually awake to themselves. And that's what's causing the disconnect.
1: You're right. You're right. That's very true. Maybe I should say they're content or allowing themselves to feel content.
0: They're convincing themselves of it because they're distracting themselves.
1: Yeah. It's the, it, it's the ostrich syndrome or the boiling frog. Yeah. It, it You know, oh, this is a really nice sauna, honey. Turn up the heat. This is really comfortable. Next minute, you know, you have you ever laid in, on, on the couch and you're sort of dozing and you're watching TV and all. next thing you know, you wake up hours later. Do you remember falling asleep? <laughs> Never. You don't remember and you go, wow, how did that happen? Oh, or people who've been driving down the road and they fall asleep at the wheel. that That's nasty stuff. And you wake up with the bum, 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 hopefully not hitting a tree or another car. <sighs> and you don't remember falling asleep, but you remember vaguely before you fell asleep how tired you were. And it's it's that kind of a thing. And I, it just breaks my heart. I've got kids and grandkids there and they know exactly how I feel. And then most of them are, get it, but they feel like they have no options or they got young kids in school you know in the day to day grind and provide you know you got to pay your bills and you got to make money but it's like i i you know it's it's way urgent in my in my mind so i got the heck out and moved to latin america and uh, <clears throat> very thankful i did but um i forget the original question was i got off track there
0: oh just the difference between the countries like oh, yeah. since you started early and then That's have come right. back and yeah. forth to many places obviously you've seen the changes over the decades
1: Oh, it's, it's a shocker really, because, well, when I, I was gone for my first, uh, overseas, I was in India five years, Middle East for three and Latin America for 10. I was in Greece and Europe. And, uh, my family was young. I was, I was young, you know, world traveler and kids are born all over the place. I have three kids. And, uh, it was a wonderful experience, and I did not want to go back to the States. I, I left the States with this same conviction in 1972 or 3, because back then, I mean, you asked the, the older hippies, you know, we thought that the West Coast was going to go down in a major earthquake, like you know, the whole continental shelf thing, back in 1972 or 3, when Nixon was going to do an uh, atom bomb test on the Aleutian Islands. Huh. And everybody was convinced, people were having there was prophecies, and Visions that you know, 'cause right on the right on the fault line, that complete jerkwad that he was. Like all of them, <laughs> they're, they're all mad. But you know, so, and th- that was the word. So at the time, I left San Francisco and moved to Denver. I mean, I've always been crazy like that. i When I get a, you know, I'm not stupid. I, I'm intelligent. But if I'm getting a, a signal and it kind of jives with what I'm going through, and I'm free to do it, I go, I go do it. And it led to one. One thing led to another. Led to another. I, I, I take the hint, you know. But um, anyway, uh, getting out of the States, first to Europe, and then I moved to India for five years after I met my first wife and we had two of our kids in India. Um, that was, I mean, my eyes were open so fast, especially when you go to a place like India and you realize what the real world, where another version of the real world is and how completely you had no clue living in Britain growing up in america you you see it all we saw was a a, a a poster for bangladesh children are starving in bangladesh and your mother would say eat your food the children are starving that you know that was i'm supposed to eat so that child doesn't starve and that kind of bs but <laughs> that, that that's all, that's all we knew it was just on this black it was on this black and white and later color tv the news newspapers dad went to work after he finished his coffee and cigarettes and then you know Mom's putting around the kitchen, being neurotic, and I go off to school and play my sports, come home, play the drums, and day after day after day, things got more psychotic, went to college, had four years of drugs and rock and roll and mysticism and you you the the you're you're constantly what's the word uh, you you're buried in this environment that is so self i guess indulgent or something like that it's um it's quite a, a it's quite a remarkable phenomenon. Excuse me. <clears throat> but um getting outside the states it just wakes you up. You see real people. You get to Delhi, India and there's people living in the middle of the street. They've got their cooking pot, they're barely clothed, you know, and there's a cow wandering down the street. This is back in the 70s, you'll still see that in large parts of India. But if you go to India now, it's Bombay, which was, was Bombay, Mumbai is more expensive to live in than London huh. because of the tech, the tech boom. They also have the world's largest uh, uh, movie industry, way bigger than Hollywood. It's called Bollywood. I've heard that term. It's bigger than Hollywood, though? Oh, yeah, way bigger. It, it, people don't have any idea because they, they're so self-centered in this American mindset. <laughs> way bigger. They, look how many people they've got. they got a billion people. That's true. And they yeah. love the movies. They love the movies. And they have these sing-song movies that are fun and they have westerns and dramas, and they've gotten all sexy over the years. Back then, it was, they didn't have anything, with any sexy girls. Now they're mimicking all the, the U.S. Uh, uh, sexification. But, but anyway, that, that's another world. Or I lived in the Middle East. The Arabs are beautiful people, love their families, wonderful. I had just a wonderful experience. And you get this demonization now that you know, Muslims are these whack jobs and this kind of stuff. It couldn't be farther from the truth. The only whack jobs are the ones that the U.S. trained. Or the Wahhabis that the Saudis trained. This extremism is not even Islam. It's from a whole different sect that broke off. And, I mean, it's it's whack. And now they're, you know, and you people who know Muslims in the States, they'll know they're, they're, uh, they're amazing folks. Family-oriented, more than Americans in many ways. Zen, that's the big thing I kids. notice,
0: is that family-orientedness. Yeah. I yeah. mean, Americans won't even try and fix their own relationships. They'll just discard it as quickly as possible and think they're going to find something that much better. I've noticed this over and over and over again with friends just in my own life and in my own personal experiences. It's like, oh, well, something's wrong, so I'm just going to throw this away instead of actually doing something crazy like trying to fix it and trying to work on things and be open-minded. And that's why our families are all destroyed, and now we've gotten to the point where several generations of this massive divorce rate and children with broken homes because most people don't want to put the time in to actually have a good thing, you know. They just don't want to put that effort in. They they've got this disposable society mentality, and everything should just be thrown away mm-hmm. because it's a piece of garbage. Oh, I, well, I'll just throw that away, and I'll go get something else. That's
1: not the way it's supposed to work. No, no, and it's so built in. And then the accountability factor gets thrown out the window. What difference does this make? That's in just another plastic bag, and I'm not one of these environmental, you know, do gooder freaks. But I'm I'm talking about living consciously. I was talking to my friends here i'm I'm in Spain, like I said, but uh Ole and his wife Kim are, are from Sweden. well, he's originally Danish, but I was asking them about do they have uh storage units in Sweden where people put their stuff like in america <laughs> and and they said they said no, they don't they're not aware of them you know whatever they have they keep in their home or maybe their garage or I didn't you know I don't know what they do, but maybe there's some kind of storage units. But think of the storage unit industry in the States. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's something I, people ask, well, what can I do to wake up and this kind of thing? I say, get rid of, number one, get rid of your stuff. Right. You don't own things. Things own you. That is as profound as it can be. It is true. You know, you just need minimal stuff and someone else needs the stuff you don't need anymore. And to hold on to it is insane. It is, it is like walking around with a barbell attached to your foot it is, it is it is insane yet people they have five by tens ten by tens ten by twenties twenty by twenties full of stuff old cars um you know motorcycles they'll never use again they've got couches and things and boxes and just in case you know it's it's insane but you see i'm going down the highway they're all over the they so place space.
0: here when i first moved here i couldn't believe how many there were there's more here when I moved to Baton Rouge, than there were where I'm from in Pennsylvania. I mean, I just couldn't believe the amount of self storage units just everywhere. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my God, what what is this?" Yeah. it, it actually it. it's funny you say that because it did stand out to me.
1: Yeah, it was a big investment opportunity for for people in my generation ten or twenty years ago. These things were really growing up. So, you know we're let you gotta invest in one of these, so they started popping up and they filled up. It's sort of like nursing homes. That was a big investment of opportunity. Mm. It wasn't to take care of the of the elderly. You mean warehouse Save, them? We, yeah, exactly. You're going to warehouse the elderly, just like your storage, just like your stuff. <clears throat> it's an investment opportunity after all. This is the land of the free, home of the brave, land of opportunity. Well, and, that's another
0: you know, part of that whole uh, not taking care of family thing. Uh-huh, you know?
1: Exactly, exactly. And another part of that which always hits me in the nerve is – is uh, um, how our our lack of contact with our ancestors. Oh yes. You, you look at any native culture, you know, and people might make fun of Day of the Dead in Latin America or the Chinese how they honor their dead, but it's the it's the it's the connectivity to their ancestors. It's a very spiritual thing. It's not hocus pocus or witchcraft or 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 um, you know, what's the word uh uh you know, when you have these beliefs that aren't uh so called aren't, aren't well founded uh, anyway it's uh, there's a there's something there there's something in western culture it's been erased just like just like the native americans have been wiped out genocided right off the earth except for little pockets of people who have been decimated i mean genocide is not just killing of the people it's killing of the culture anybody can look it up
0: well that's exactly what's happening though and it's accelerated because i noticed it with even growing up as a kid in the 80s how a lot of the pop and rock music was all about party have a good time
2: mm-hmm.
0: and and but today it's far far worse the rap culture oh. is atrocious it's all about uh materialism promotion of self it's almost got, it's almost like the, the church of satan really where you know it, true yeah, satanists yeah. it's about you know advance yourself and all others be damned yeah you know materialism degradation yeah. of women um promote yourself and doesn't doesn't it doesn't matter who you have to stomp yeah. on to to get what you want
1: mm-hmm. well
0: that's the tenets of the church of satan in actuality
1: mm-hmm. yeah i wrote something called the, psychop- the psychopathy of greed it's built into this thing called capitalism that everybody thinks is okay like i went to uh, <clears throat> high school with a guy he went off to dartmouth and he played on the football team and his lineman, he was a he was a linebacker, and the lineman was uh, Frank Paulson, Hank Hank Paulson, the guy, one of the he was the first bailout guy under uh-huh. Bush, yeah. who started that whole thing. Yep. And he and I, you know, he's a conservative, and uh, we're chatting, and he mentions Paulson, and I said, and, and this other friend of, that I grew up with, and they're they're full on capitalists, making money off the capitalist system, see nothing wrong. It's opportunity, for, uh, for open competition, blah blah. And I brought up Hank Paulson. I said, I can't believe you know this guy. What what a scumbag he he is. And they said, What? (laughs) They said, What? He's only doing what's right. He's only, and then, you know, uh, they defended him to to a T because he is doing what he's taking advantage of, what he can take advantage of. I said, He decimated the economy, bailed out these bastards, and walked away with a multi, multi million dollar settlement gift and, and scot free. You don't see anything wrong with that? (laughs) <laughs> and they don't. They don't because their lives are built on the same tenet. It, it's built on this it, – it's, it's dog eat dog, but they won't say it like that. It so, says, well, I'm smarter than you. It kind of goes along with Darwin's theory of evolution because the survival of the, of the fittest was one of its big reasons uh, for, for being uh, proponed the way it was. Is because it teaches society that those at the top deserve to be there. They're better. They're smarter. And therefore, they deserve to be the elite. They deserve to rule. They deserve to be royals because they obviously they got there because they're better people. Right? You know, it's the survival of the fittest. And 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 capitalism is very similar. People, um, you know, well, the guy who's a better businessman, whether he's cutthroat or not, uh, they, they say, well, as long as he plays by the rules. But come on, honestly, what what rules are there when selfishness and greed are ruling everything? So I mean, you know, obviously, there's more ethical people than others, but. Um, the system is built on this get ahead, step on the guy under you. And uh, um, anyway, I kind of lay it out a little more clearly in the article, but it's built in this get ahead uh, attitude. And then you look, I mean, you look at it, the whole, the whole war thing uh, in the name of freedom, uh, manifest destiny, America is better. We've got this culture of freedom, which is complete opposite. And then, you know, then you go to a football game and people act like animals and they learn the the competition is good. Go ahead, head to head and smash the other guy. And if we're lucky, we'll get some blood and some real action here, you know, and fight each other. And afterwards, we'll have a fight in the parking lot. And let's let's bring in the military and some bombers and some jets and let's salute the the fallen soldiers and let's trot out the guys with no legs and arms (laughs) to to feel sorry for them and then send them back home because... VA won't do shit for him. Right. You know it, it, the hypocrisy and the showmanship and the, the the, the well the hypocrisy. It, that's I mean, that's just what drives you over the top. You know they talk about freedom, or Obama gets all teary about three people shot somewhere, and you know he's, you know the, the Americans are are killing hundreds every day, all over the world, and you just go with, you know the Palestinians. It, Look at them. They're being decimated. The average age in Palestine is 17 years old. They've wiped out uh, these generations, and and they're, they're blocking aid. And do you hear about it in the news? No, nobody gives a shit. It's like, what's, what is, it's you know, dystopia. It's, it's this chaotic, no n- makes no sense world that people are being forced to deal with. And that's why I say it's causing a psychotic break. It's causing depression. It's causing people to retreat into selfishness. And that's what it's designed to do. It's, the, it's designed to dumb people down and keep them from awakening to, to the reality of what's going on and the absolute criminality of their, of their rulership, because things don't have to be this way the air. could in one minute, if we just stopped these programs in like two hours, you know how different everything would be you know <laughs> yeah. we'd, stop, we'd stop circulating Coke and Pepsi, Wham. You, you know, GMO foods, stop production, get them out of the fields. You know, skies would stop being sprayed. Uh, you know, the wars would just stop. Kids would lay everything down and go home to their families. It would just, it, but no. Why does it keep going? It's not a natural force of nature of any sort. It is driven. These things are all supported programs that are driven by this very small elite, bunch of so called elite, bunch of, uh, of psychopathic killers. Who are only interested in control? They're, they're not satisfied even with money. That that's not their issue, and uh, we are the subjects of it. So either we are we just going to keep taking it, or do we find a way that we can stand up and do what we can, as 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 massive a task as that may appear to be? And that's why I've I just finished a, a, a new book called "You Are the Awakening," and it'll be available on my website zengardner.com uh, within a week or two. Oh, that's awesome! But but it, it, it's it's the point is it's 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 you, it's me. It doesn't go any further. It's not you know it's not joining a movement. It's not it's it's each of us awakening, a, a, a really really awakening. At, at which point, the motivation kicks in, the clarity of direction kick, kicks in, the inspiration kicks in, the compassion kicks in, and, and as we act, as we s- express. What we're realizing and the, the filling the need around us, more comes. But we have to open the faucet. The water can't run unless the faucet's open. And that's pretty much what I tell people. You know, we each got to do this, and uh, and that's what that's what you do by what you're doing. That's what, but so many are trying to do, getting the message out, inspiring people, and uh, um, and and challenging them. I frankly, I mean, I know I needed challenging. It came to me, in many. Many ways over the years, in different ways, and I've been sidetracked and bamboozled and stepped on many a landmine. But hey, I keep going, and uh, and so are the rest of us. And there's amazing stuff to be discovered, utilized, and uh, we have we have incredible uh, tools at our disposal right now, and we better use them and use them fast because they're trying to take them away.
0: What do you feel the uh, complete end game, final goal? of the elite is with all of the things that they're doing to us, which absolutely cannot be denied at this point.
1: Um, well, as I see it, it's pretty much, <clears throat> you could almost call it terraforming, you know, a complete, a complete change in the planet. It's uh, even its ecosystem to where it, it only, it feeds into a, a synthesized system that is populated by a, a greatly reduced Population worldwide of willing uh, converted, obedient, slaves, <laughs> obedient slave species that will be drugged, dumbed down. Which they already are already. It's it's a slow process, but it's happening. And drugged, dumbed down, conditioned, uh, micro you know micro planted, a microchip planted, and all these things as the su- serv-, serv servant race, the service race well these people live lives of absolute luxury as the so-called uh, the self-appointed divine rulers of the planet uh, and they are very spiritually oriented uh, they they are very spiritual they they've got very dark practices they they consider themselves above law above ethics above anything because they honestly believe in this whole call it luciferian but it's it's really archontic. you know this comes i think the the gnostic Explanation is is really <clears throat> perhaps the most uh, spot on one that I've so far come across. Where these are um, parasitic entities that are not like us, and they want—they're jealous of us. Call it jealousy, and want to come in and control humanity, top to bottom. And that's why people are having. And you know, if they've called them demons. They have called them jinn. There's all kinds of names. Mm-hmm. through the millennia of these influences on humanity, and we, we've all come across this stuff. And unfortunately, it's been, it's been uh, categorized and siphoned off into these things called religions and belief systems, all of which are the most horrific things that could ever be fallen into by anybody. <clears throat> it's, a, it's an endless loop of futility and distraction and deception. But it's there. They're there, and they're, we're up against them. And these guys have, have yielded to them. They're going for the program. These guys at, at the top don't realize they, too, are being consumed and taken advantage of by the next level. And th- they think they're pretty smart, but they are, they are the dupes of dupes. They are being used more than, even more than they want to use us. And that, that's, that's the big joke. But what we don't want to be is the, dupe of, the, the bottom dupes where we lose our humanity, lose our willpower and you know become some sort of a other transhumanized race which they're rapidly trying to do yes. but i see it as that very much a spiritual warfare no and i do you, as well you, you, you can subscribe to any way you want to see that uh, the gnostic one and the idea of the archons and these sort of a renegade uh influence that was sort of unexpected um but you know we we have willpower we have the the majesty of free choice we can choose what we tune into what we listen to what we let into our lives what we expel from our lives that can never be taken away and maybe some people need some you know, encouragement some enlightenment even some technology spiritual technology to learn how to get control back but it's there <clears throat> and we need we need to help each other but number one by exposing what's going on that always brings empowerment <clears throat> but yeah I, I i'm 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 with you it's it's a uh Spiritual warfare, and they're literally changing the planet. They, the plant, the, the seas are being killed. I mean, these these plankton blooms, uh, algae blooms that they're deliberately planting in the oceans are are massively horrible. Uh, what's going on too is the, the methane is uh, is being released more and more, which will make anything that they say is polluting the atmosphere look like child's play.
2: Yeah,
1: uh, uh, there's a thing called the Venus syndrome that if this yeah. stuff this stuff comes up, we'll get we'll go crispy and be just like Venus in no time. And you know the, the idea behind the, the Archontic viewpoint is that if they can't have control of the planet, they would rather destroy it, which is very much the Zionist uh, philosophy as well. That's what they say. They call it the Samson option. If we can't have it, nobody can. And they would happily, like they've done in the past, they blow themselves up and take the whole world with them. This is a manifestation and one, one of the symptoms of psychopathy. It's completely gone. But you can take it past psychopathy, which is kind of a earthly term, and look at complete, full-on Luciferian demonic possession, or whatever you want to call it. These people are not of us, and they should be destroyed. And I, I don't know, you know, or at least locked up. But, but right now humanity is is playing the the fool, the, the idiot, with its hands folded, watching themselves. I mean, literally being sprayed like bugs you know fed complete crap toxic out the wazoo lied to continually whether it's labeling advertising news and, and you know engineered so- socially engineered in every way from education to to uh um you know everyday things it, it 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 the the assault on humanity is beyond uh even description anymore the lists i mean i i put them in my articles and every time it gets longer so until people wake up hey wait a minute there's something at stake here and it's me if you love your if not just love yourself but do you love your loved ones do you love your kids do you love your grandkids do you love your neighbor do you give a shit about the children in gaza do you give a crap about the people in yemen being genocided do you give a damn about what's happening in ukraine do you even care that people are being poisoned by monsanto right left and center and developing tumors and Horrible diseases from Argentina to Hawaii to you know to to Africa where they're decimating the population. Do people even care that vaccines are absolutely not only not necessary but absolutely destructive, and and being used to to terminate uh, people's fertility? It's been proven that forty five thousand kids in in India were, were were paralyzed by Bill Gates' vaccine agenda. Do people even know that? Do they give a shit? <laughs> It's 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 that kind of thing, you know. People have got to get their get in touch again with their compassion, but it starts right at home. But look at the people who become activists. Um, usually, it's a mom whose whose son or daughter became autistic from yeah. from a flu shot, or died, or or somebody who had a near death experience and came back and said, "Oh my God, I have got a whole different life here," and they their life completely changes. They'll become an inspirational speaker or. A social worker or something but they they get it something changes or someone has a horrible accident or a health scare or they come by a landmine or they lose their family in Yemen or syria and they go this hit home now i'm you know now i'm on it what's it going to take for people do they have to come to your door with one of these bazookas and blow it in and kill everybody except for you and say oops wrong you know wrong address are <laughs> are you, are you, are you going to wait that long because it's happening Who's to say you're not gonna be next or me? Well personally, I want to go down on the offensive. I, I I'll be happy going down on the fighting side of things. I you know, I've already resigned myself to whatever happens, happens. I'm not here to preserve myself. I gave that up a long time ago. And that gives me freedom, happiness, joy, but a big sense of responsibility. And I there's not enough hours in the day for me to do what I what I feel I need to do. And I if everybody can stir that up in them and, and really start to uh, catch the drift of the seriousness of what's going on and not go into a, a funk or a depression or, oh, my God, they're coming after us or, oh, the world's being taken over. It's got to have the reverse effect. You know, get get yourself together. You know, you need to come out fighting. This is a time to take it as a call to action. The the warrior has got to arise in us. We each have it. We're each the same. We're, we're collectively the same. We are each born with that spark of infinite uh, power and spirit and connectivity to everything including each other and means of communication and spiritual gifts we haven't even touched on and that to me is the pioneer field of the future that's the realm to to really go into it and, and expand because we have got to fight this with spiritual weapons it's way as well as whatever, whatever we have informational and that but it, it's it is way past where it where it should be, and they're moving fast towards this clampdown. And it can go either way. It is not set. As much as they've rolled into, seemingly rolled into what they've rolled into, we have set them back many a time. Their agenda is way behind schedule. They are afraid of us. They're afraid of the awakening. They're acting desperately. They're getting extremely sloppy. Yeah. And people need to see this for what it is. They are not super in control. They're desperate they're using old techniques every false flag has the same bullshit scenario the same you know they've got the the uh, the drill and they've got the crisis actors and they've, they've got no blood and they got no pictures and they've got some you know every all the vehicles were in place ahead of time and you know it's it's always you know it, we can see it the patterns are obvious and they're being called out and they don't like it, but they really don't have any other stuff up their sleeve. Do you
0: think they just don't know what to do anymore? And that's why they're doing yeah, this well, stuff. Well, they're
1: not, they're not creative. Like we are that when you get to the spiritual entities, entity side, they're mimicers. The the, the, the are arch, the archonic or demonic step mimics. It cannot create. It is. Uh, we are connected to consciousness and the, the great full on in, in infinite. They are not, they're sort of an off Island, um, Spiritual world, a a vibration of itself. Think of it as a low-level vibration, and we're much higher-level vibration. We have creative resources that are infinite. theirs are only They can only copy what infinite source does. So that's why it has that hollow ring to it. It, It's imitation. Hmm. That's why the media is imitation. That's why they're they're you know look at look at uh, technology. It's imitation consciousness. I don't believe technology will ever move into the place where it gains consciousness. I think that's bullshit, because it can't. It's a machine. Okay, maybe demonic entities could enter into a machine in some shape or form, but that's not consciousness. That's possession. <laughs> that's what I suspected, actually. Yeah, and then, you know, that's, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible that refers to stuff that seem to hint about that, and the other, you the know, modern-day golem. Western-
0: <laughs> Modern day golem.
1: Uh, yeah, or you know the old uh, the prophecies and edward casey and this all, kind of, all kinds of stuff that points to pretty apocalyptic times but uh i don't know i just have a real good feeling that th- th- this is our this is our shot this is our shot to turn it around you know about the yugas the twenty six thousand year cycles the 3600 year cycles
2: mm-hmm. the
1: fact that we're in line with the galactic plane right now and we've, we've gone through these uh we're in the we're very in a very special time very auspicious in many ways and uh, I, I think we should um, derive encouragement, inspiration from it, get to know it, tap into it, and, and that, that's going to require some sacrifices. We have to disconnect, like I was saying earlier, from our stuff, from our preconceived notions of who we are, most of all, you know, get really liberated from you know, dead relationships. You know, um, uh, you know, there, there has to be change. And we have, to be, we have to be brave. We have to have some guts, some courage. You don't see that much in the world anymore, do you? You no. see, ever see courage? They're cowardly. Look at these so-called world leaders. They're fucking cowards. <laughs> they, do they have any chips on the, on the table? they got any kids over there in the war? No, not never. one
0: of them. You never see it. Never. And in the days of old, if the king didn't take the battlefield, you were done. Yeah,
1: exactly. And he had the biggest fucking sword, and he, and he, was, a, and he was a warrior.
2: Yeah.
1: And, but uh, that's not now anymore. These are cowards. When you think about it, like, for you and me and people who are really motivated and, and take this really seriously, this is our all. We are, we are passionately involved. This is a life or death struggle. To them, it's a job. Drone operator, it's a job. Chemtrail pilot, it's a job. Um, you know, the guy, the NSA guys, w- whether there's 10,000 people out there or 20 or 50, 100, so-called listening to our calls, which I think is completely blown out of proportion. They can't be squat. It's, <laughs> a, a lot of that's a real bluff. They can't possibly process all that information. I don't care how big the computers. Uh, But um, it's just a job. They go home at night. They don't have, you know, cops, it's just a job. That's why they have to keep them jacked up with drugs and steroids. And they put these cell towers around police stations and and on their cars. The EMFs are driving these guys whack. They they do the same thing to soldiers. You see these special ops guys with those headphones? There's a guy named Barry Trower who talks about EMFs quite a bit. You might have seen his name. Mm-hmm. and he 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 says that the frequency they put those guys on are designed to make them uh irritable, psychotic, um you know, just really screw them up to keep them trigger happy on the battlefield. They go home, these are the guys they they put put on drugs and commit suicide. They they they've fried their brains. <clears throat> of course other guys too. It's pitiful. These are wonderful young men and women being being destroyed and uh nobody gives a crap. <clears throat> but um
0: well, no, they get destroyed. A lot of police these days are former military, so they've mm-hmm. been put through hell mm. for a few years over, you know, usually the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Then they come back to be police officers and then the bombardment continues.
1: Yeah, that's right. So that's right. so
0: what's left of them is as human beings. I mean, they they they're being annihilated,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, day in and day out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And dehumanized. And, and you so, wonder why so they're doing re- terrible
0: things. That's why.
1: Exactly. Yeah, well, that's a big part of it. Plus they're being told to Their their instructions have changed. You you can bet on it.
0: Oh, it has to. It has to. Because they
1: have to try to intimidate the public because when push comes to shove and things get really nasty, the public has got to really fear them. And so they'll stay in their houses. They won't come out. They won't be empowered. They won't – even if they have a gun, they won't shoot a cop because he's so so scary and they've been so conditioned and he's got so much armor. And even though the cop's about to come in and kill his family – they won't pull the trigger because they, you know, or whatever. They've there are on the defensive. I wrote an article, wrote an article about uh, all this stuff in and the bunker and mentality. I said, uh, "When you're back against the wall, don't be there. <clears throat> so, you know, don't—it's not a place to be if that's where you are—that your back's against the wall. Why are you still there? You should have gotten the signal earlier. That wasn't the place to be. And right. most most people do, but they can't get off their duffs." And maybe some can't. And, and well, then they do need to dig in and, and prepare and get their food and, and stuff like that, but have a positive, not, not defensive attitude, which is easy to say. I mean, every situation is different. I, I'm, I'm just, you know, ranting and sharing my heart. But it, it's uh, – I forget where we got onto all this. Oh, about the mentality of these guys.
2: Mm-hmm. Anyway,
1: they're, they're copycats. They're, they're, they, they can only imitate – and their heart's not a kind of like Henry Kissinger, it's just a big freaking slug. He's it been a gopher. I mean, I guess you heard that Maurice Strong, the famous climate globalist UN slug uh gopher, uh died just before this latest summit. <clears throat> yeah. And uh but these are these people, I read his history, uh, James Corbett did a great piece on him. Um explaining his history and how he climbed the ladder of seeing up to the the big money boys and just being willing to do anything for this globalist agenda to both promote himself and feed whatever parasitic thing he's got hanging on his back. But um, the the type of people who climb up and do these, become these so-called elites are just such low lives. And yet they have have such power of humanity it reminds me, like I, I've always wondered since I was young, why doesn't everybody just march on the Vatican and get into the freaking library and take the secrets out?
0: Yeah, I've what, never understood how, that actually.
1: How, how could, Yeah, but here we are. You and I are sitting here. We're not. We're not knocking down the door of the Vatican either. You know, it's like, like I don't. I don't get it. How can? How can the Pope come out at Christmas and say this? We need to have an austere Christmas. Uh, a couple of years ago, the last, and he wearing this hat that has enough jewel it to feed Africa for 10 years.
0: Oh, that blows my mind. That they, they flaunt it.
1: Yeah, the Queen of England get, comes out and she's getting more, she gets a raise and she's got this and she owns half the freaking land on the world, on the planet. And, uh, you know, starts talking to other people, you know, we really need to help each other and this and that. How can people bear that kind of hypocrisy and, and look at it and, and still go, oh my queen, my this, my that, <laughs> and adore it. It's the Stockholm syndrome, you know. It's uh-huh. I love my slavery. It's it, it's 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 been intrigued in them since since they're so little. It has a lot to do. Like I just wrote about this. The you know the inner child getting healed in our personal lives when you're brought up with trauma, which all of us are, because yeah. none of us are really acknowledged for the spiritual beings we are when we're little, and 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 whatever kind of Household we grew up with, some are more extreme than others. We we were denied our real spiritual individuality, and so you have to. It it, it sublimates. It change. It forces the traits to come in. And, and we like all of us experience some degree of abandonment. You weren't really taken care of for who you were. Maybe there's a lot of other kids in your family. Maybe your parents were alcoholics, or or just out of it, or never home, or whatever. Maybe they had no parents or only had one parent. But that abandonment goes through life where you're always looking for approval and that you're looking for um satisfaction you're looking for love you're and the old trauma is in there and it comes out in different ways anger um bitterness uh self-destruction you know all kind of addictions you know but they they stem from the same thing that is this it's that real inner us that really didn't get sorted out in the first place and it's never too late to to do that. It's never too late to do that, and I find myself I'm going through a big, big change in my life right now, and it's it's um, it's an opportunity. It's not easy. The big ones, uh, you know, we were talking about that earlier. Mm-hmm. They, they they're they, they're called breaking for a reason. You know, we get uh, <laughs> everything comes to you know your world falls apart, and you know, thankfully, if you've got a little bit of momentum of uh, having woken up and being aware and you know if you kind of understand the principles of what this life's all about and what you know what's up and what's down it makes it a hell of a lot easier but ultimately facing that real inner inner nature and getting those things resolved is a very important thing to do and I think that's part a really important step in our preparation for this next phase that we're facing right now that we've got to be whole ourselves or we're just going to recreate some kind of mess to replace this mess. We've really got to be whole people. We've got to um, find our, our real sovereign selves, you know, our real integral, um, who we really are, but not in a selfish way, not in a introspective way, but get our issues resolved and find that fullness. And it can be a lonely path. It can be a very difficult one, but it's part of the process. Anyway, I, I, I'm just hearing from a lot of people, they're going through major changes in their lives. Either with loved ones or health issues, or just confused as all the heck with what's going on, you know. Because we're in a vortex, I really it, something's going on. I'm sure you feel it. There's a oh yeah. This this is a storm, man, and it's it's geopolitical, it's financial, it's physical, but ultimately the biggie is the spiritual. And you've got the two types. You've got the good spiritual vibrations coming in, and all of us awakening and that kind of creative process. But then you got these guys reaching new levels of darkness. Channeling whatever the hell they're into and in, trying to pull up, just like these guys at CERN, literally trying to pull something out of a goddamn wormhole. That, yeah. Like they said, we know not what. I mean.
0: That's crazy what they're doing.
1: It is. It's absolutely nuts.
0: I mean, they, like literally, that's Looney Tunesville, what they're trying to do with that.
1: It is, and they, they admit it. We're not sure what's going to come out. They said three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. What? Come out? And you're still going to do it? And right now, they're moving to the next level. They're going to use lead. Fire lead around instead of these other types of uh, of uh, particles, which is going to have a humongously different reaction. And you know, I mean, I'm not. This is sorcery, just like 9/11 was sorcery. Imagery, symbology, and mass mind control trauma, Trauma trauma-based mind control on a massive scale, and it worked. It's sorcery. These people are. People might say, "Oh, it was just the building going down." Sorry. You've got the two Masonic temples these are archetypes in the in psyche that have all kinds of meanings and samson and the two pillars and all this kind of stuff
2: mm-hmm.
1: but it the trauma of it and then you're told who did it that the implant it's complete mind control it is a, it was a mass magic show and and it worked on the majority and they got away with well, their so-called got away with it well on the other hand it woke a hell of a lot of people up to just to what level things have been taken over and where they're headed. So it, it also launched a mega section, a portion of the truth movement. <clears throat> so it, in that respect, it backfired. But, um, anyway, that's sort of a side. But the point is, it's these are so, sorcery in very high levels that they're pulling. And they do it with, with you can see the loop de loops on the, if you ever look at a sports show and all swirling circles and do-do-do, do-do-do. <laughs> and people, people look at it and think nothing's going on. That is literally, uh, there's a word for it, um, they're called mnemonics, not demonics, mnemonics.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And if you look closely, there's some videos on this. You look closely at some of these things and the little images that you do it in slow motion, they're actually using magic, magician sigils, like the keyboard keys that they come up and go down, up and down, up and down, when the circles are turning and all these graphics are going on, there's a- they're actually doing a spell on you. In many of these things, you pull it up, go slow motion, and you'll. And there's a guy he takes it. uh, His name's John Mitchell. And you take take it, and he opens up the book and he shows you each sigil in the book. They these are magic symbols from the really dark occult stuff, and they're at literally a spell. I mean, it shouldn't be news to most people. Look what Madonna did. Look at her ritual at the Super Bowl. Look look at one of these MTV gross performances. And all the symbolism they're doing, they're making it so blatant. they try to make it a fad, and it's working. Kids are imitating it, the one night crap and all that.
2: Oh, yeah,
0: it's in clothing and everything now, and they just play it yeah. like it's nothing.
1: I just heard they're doing yoga now. It's a kind of heavy metal and goth stuff. I mean, they're integrating, because it's into this weird stuff, they're, they're making yoga, doing yoga with hard music and weird, weird really nasty sort of stuff, like yoga and that. What the hell it? But you can see, Okay, you're getting your body worked out, but that's not exactly yoga. You know, yoga is a very ancient tradition that has a lot to do with, you know, it's primarily spiritual. Mm -hmm. So they're they're, they're trying to pollute any and everything they can. They did that back, like going back to the Woodstock thing. They popularized, you know, the bell-bottom pants and the tie-dye shirts and all this. And next thing you knew, it's public wrappers and la-di-da and flowers and all this, you know, that kind of uh, Peter Mack's kind of art artwork was very popularized and everybody looked cool. And you got Sonny and Cher on TV and it ain't me, babe. And it just it went shallow, right? It went right from the depths of, you know, from, from Ken Kesey and the merry pranksters and the profound stuff and on the road by Jack Kerouac and all this really heavy, you know, stuff that was very metaphysical and very spiritual, very, uh, mystical. And, uh, um, because spiritually entrepreneurial, it, it just got went shallow. And that's what they do. They'll take it like the Beatles, you know. The Beatles got uh, over, over-commercialized. And, uh, I mean, they were unique because they got more and more freaky and, and then sort of off the market.
0: What do you think was really going on with the Beatles? Do you happen to know anything about them?
1: Uh, well, I don't know. There, there was a, a big thing about you know, their music was being handed to them by a guy from uh, MI6. I guess you heard about that.
0: Yeah, well, I've heard a lot of stuff. And... There's no real documented evidence, and I would definitely like to see some because, obviously, I, I love the Beatles' music. I'm very influenced by it myself. Right. And I'd like to know what – at least some of what was really going on there, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, me too. It, it's, there are some suspicious ties. Um, you know – I forget the author of the Committee of 300. Uh, John Coleman. John Coleman, yeah. And he you know, he talks about – that. He, he's sure that the Beatles were a product of the Tavistock Institute. And they may have had a, a big hand. I mean, the way they got promoted and, and arrived on this, these accolades and kickouts clearly had social engineering stamped all over it. They, they just came in on, on on a tsunami of popularity. They didn't come in organically at all. The That's back, what it seems like, like there oh, was yeah. a lot
0: of momentum created for them.
1: For sure, for sure. And people were screaming and yelling. I mean, just on the Ed Sullivan appearance and the girls are screaming in the front row. And this, this you know, this can be hyped up through... Mind control techniques are just pre, pre-advertising. I don't know what. It was very suspicious. And then they kind of went, it's funny, because today is John Lennon's uh, death anniversary.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, he was taken out. Obviously, he was assassinated because, you know, um, he was, apparently, he was about to kind of blow the whistle. I don't know if you realize, but I'm, I'm in, in that book, that I um, told you I wrote epilogue so we didn't go to the moon either in there is a big part about Paul McCartney and following F.A.U.L. The fact that McCartney died and was replaced and the evidence uh, that that's true is extremely compelling. Extremely. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, the biggest evidence, I mean, offhand is uh, when you see how Paul, when he went on his own, how shallow his music was, his, his post-beatle music, just nauseating. But anyway, there's, there's all kinds of stuff. in his face, his teeth, his ears, his height. But nothing matches, and it's, it, there's forensic evidence that you can look at. And then you go through the words and songs and different stuff the Beatles have said. And it was a big thing when I was in college. I mean, Paul's dead, and it was like a fat. But uh, I, think it had, I think it had merit. And uh, they were told to keep the show on the road, and they had to, but that's why they went quiet for a long time right after he was reported to have been killed in the car wreck. And they were quiet, and they took the trip to India, and did all kinds of, And they slowly came on board because the other guy was being groomed, and he got his, you know, got uh, his uh, face worked on, and he was actually a good musician. He had to learn to play guitar the other direction and stuff like that. But uh, a fascinating study, I'll say at the least.
0: What do you think kept John quiet, though? Because he seemed like he had no problem shooting his mouth off about anything.
1: Yeah, well, a lot of people suspect he was about to blow the whistle on Paul and uh that might be what they're after. I don't know. That's speculation. But, yeah, I, I, I wonder the same thing. Like, here's these guys talking about truth and love and all that. Well, how come, they, you know? Whereas if you go take a look at this book, you'll see that the hints inside the words of the music are all over the place. And you don't have to read it into it to see them. But they were trying to say it through the music Without coming out public, and you can imagine if this thing is an operation being backed by the, the crown and and secret service for different social engineering reasons. And the, apparently they were told that it would just be too much of a freak out if he died. And whatever, I, I don't know the full evidence on it. But um, if they would have someone would have spoken up, it would have been everything. These guys have millions and millions at stake. They got reputations. They've got kids. They got wives. And these guys, when they make a threat, they make a threat, and they'll start taking out your loved ones.
2: Right. So you,
1: so you keep your mouth shut, or you're, or or you're just plain stupid, or you get very sacrificial and say, "I'd rather get get the truth out," and here goes, which a lot of people do, and and bless them for it. But uh, yeah, but that's typical of a lot of this stuff. You know, there's a lot of things that are very that are coming right, like you were saying earlier. This whole um, the uh, what's it called in. Um, California, what's the name of that valley? Oh, that? The Laurel Canyon. Laurel Canyon. And all of that research. I mean, that, there's amazing stuff. How many of these kids in those bands were from military industrial families? How much the CIA and the military was inside the studios way in the beginning when the music was being recorded? How much these bands were influenced? How much drugs was part of it? And uh, how this whole movement was uh, very much influenced by these by the CIA and these other, other groups, and, and the occult. You got the whole Aleister Crowley influence and a lot of very dark Satanism. I know when I crossed the States, when I was back when you could still hitchhike, I met a lot of people, who, kids who were hitchhiking, freaks as we called us, mm-hmm. said, yeah, I, I, I just got, um, somebody just asked me for my baby, they are going to give me $10,000. Wow. They, they, were, you know, they told me so they, were, they, were gonna, they wanted to use it in the ceremony. But I I was in England. The same thing. I I was traveling the countryside, and uh, was at west of London? uh, With my first wife, and and we were hitchhiking, and we got a ride. And this guy, and we said, "What do you do?" He says, "Oh, I'm a I'm a uh, uh, warlock. You know, I'm a male witch." I said, "Oh, really? He's a normal-looking guy." You know, okay. And um, what's it like? Or what do you do? He says, "Well, everybody's a witch out here." And as we're driving down the road, he pointed to all these little country churches. He says, "That's a coven." That's a coven, that's a coven, that's a coven. Everybody thinks they're churches. No, they're covens. <laughs> and the, the whole countryside was just rife with this witchcraft. And you look at the world today and how much pedophilia, like you were telling me, the horrific story of this poor woman. Mm-hmm. The pedophilia has gotten worse. <laughs> the, the sacrifice has gotten worse. War has gotten worse. You know, torture has gotten worse. We're accepted. Drone warfare. How how insane is that, you know? It, it it is it is, and what's happened to the collective psyche? It's being calloused. It's being numbed. It's being conditioned to accept the next. Accept the next. Fukushima. Talk about a hoodwink. They they shut down the EPA monitors after Fukushima. They didn't want to tell us the readings. Right. And now there's there's scientific studies of what's going on in the Pacific. What's happening to sea life? I mean you know, very very credible scientists and all that, and they don't publish a damn thing. They say, Oh, you, know, you hear a little blip a little blip there. Well, I remember when I was a kid they talked about this uh not the Androma, what do they call it? The China syndrome. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. when a nuclear thing goes to the earth. Well we for a nuclear reactor to actually melt down to the bottom, it's never happened before. Except Chernobyl had a you know had a big mess. And I don't even know if that one melted through the bottom. In in Japan, three of them melted right down. Now that Excuse me. That means that's going into the the the, the uh, what do you call the underground water system? the uh, water table.
0: Yeah, the water table, and, and it would contaminate everything because that spreads out in everything.
1: And never mind the fact that they're pumping thousands, I mean millions of gallons of strongly contaminated water into the Pacific, circulating all over the place. And it, it you know, and, and then to talk about dystopian or or um, uh, cognitive dissonance. Then they have a convention and they say, let's promote nuclear energy. They open one on the side of an active volcano, a rumbling volcano in Japan is the first one. And the the guys warned the seismologist that this volcano could go. They said, no, it's safe. And that was the first one they opened up. Then they started promoting um, nuclear energy. And this this is where where it leads you to this idea of terraforming, changing the nature of the planet. God knows if it's for another species to, to be at home here and uh, us to be modified to be able to live in it. It's very dark, very sci-fi, very surreal.
0: It is, but I've been researching that, and it's it's scary stuff, but not necessarily as crazy as you might think.
1: No, no. That, that's, what, that's why people, you really need to become a, a consummate researcher. Not take my word for it, anybody's word for it. Look for yourself and satisfy your curiosity and check things out. I, I do what I call the spaghetti test, I talk about this often, when information comes at me, and, and a lot does, and, uh, you know, I'll go down different rabbit holes and stuff, but I've got a lot of obligations I have to keep up with now with the website and networking and stuff. But I, I've spent, you know, years and down all kinds of places. I'll take the information. And, and when I was in college, when you made muschetti, muschetti, piscetti, Spaghetti, <laughs> it's, getting, it's getting late here. I'm in Spain. Um We put it against the wall and if it's stuck in the kitchen wall, that means it was ready. If it it bounced, it wasn't ready. And it's sort of like that. I sort of do that with with information. I'll throw it against the wall in my mind. And if it sticks for a little while, it sticks. Some stuff stays up for a couple of weeks and then it falls. Some stuff I just lose interest in. Some stuff stays there and I keep it as a reference point. And I mean, and I was joking when I I did a talk in England in in, uh, April I was talking about the spaghetti test. It, I mean, I don't know how many feet thick of spaghetti is on the walls of my brain, of my, my mind, but <laughs> it, it's a lot of information, but you don't get attached to it, you know? And that's the problem people people have. The the, uh, the byline of my site is just wondering. So I like to put up challenging stuff. I don't care. I, I don't put up disinformation or, or deliberately try to confuse people or make things difficult or complicated, but... It, I'll say, look at the hollow earth theory, look at the flat earth theory, look at the look at here's some something on quantum physics that that uh, really well done, or here's here's another view on the, the nature of everything, or here's something on dualism, or here's something on you know a new one on who killed Kennedy, or or here's something on natural health. Or I like to mix it up and I like to keep it eclectic and stimulating and challenging, not to confuse people, but so people can learn to process information without getting attached to it. There's a great quote about it that I always forget, but it says it's a sign of a wise person where you can look at information and not feel like you have to believe it, you know? It's, you know, this whole thing about belief, which I hammer on a lot in my writings, it's uh, it's a real weakness of people where they buy into stuff without, you don't have to believe in something, you can think it, you can have an opinion, or, uh, you know, you can be investigating, but you don't have to believe it because actually believe comes from that, uh, a Greek word that means to drink in uh-huh. and that's, you better be careful what you drink in this in this world. Yes. Uh-huh.
0: Well, I'm probably killing you at this point. I know, I know it's getting really late there.
1: Yeah, it's been great, man. I, I, I get a little carried away, but I tell you what, it, this is a very important time and I really I wish, totally agree. wish all your listeners the very best and stay close, get with community uh, be, stay filled with love don't get freaked out by all this it's really hocus pocus and uh, once you're on the fear channel you, then you're bait
2: yeah and
1: then 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 you're you're going to get sucked and dry and and confused there's really nothing to fear i mean ultimately you know that's one of the big ones is fear of death and you know what, what can i lose why am i might die well you know what Death is isn't what you think it is no it's it's it, we go on it in whatever form, yeah. You know, but, you know, death is nothing to fear. I mean, I fear death the way that I can't, I won't fulfill what I'm supposed to do on this planet, but as long as I'm watching my step and if it comes my way, but I'm still doing what, I, what I'm here to be doing, I'm a happy camper. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it's that day-to-day fulfillment and if people aren't feeling that fulfillment, they got to find it. They got to make the step. They got to let go and, I mean, we need you, anybody listening, you know, the, call it the movement, the awakening. It needs you. And it's each one of us. And and when my book comes out, seriously get it. It's, it's, it's like a handbook. It's it's uh, things that I've written over the last eight years. It's a variety of, of things coming out of what is the awakening and, and the nature of it and how to handle it and how to make, take it to action. And it's called you are the awakening. It'll be out um, available pretty soon. But, um, but, but, Get into the, you know, find solid researchers, find find good folks personally, online, and st- stock up. Stock up mostly with, with uh, you know empowerment and good information and a real sense of community.
0: Well, Zen, why don't you go ahead and give out all of the places people can find you?
1: Okay, zengardener.com. The last name is G-A-R-D-N-E-R, not Gardener. <laughs> so zengardener.com. And it's the same name. Type in Zen Gardner. I have two Facebook pages. And they get updated every day. Um, and then the, the the book will be out. And I'll be speaking uh, this coming year. There's a, an Acapulco conference in Acapulco, Mexico, in February. We have an event coming in Portland. It'll be the first time I'm speaking in the U.S. Going to take the big step into the gulag. And when's that one? In Portland is in April. And then in England, maybe Philadelphia in April. And then... Um, uh, May in England, and then uh, a couple of months, a few months later in Copenhagen. But a lot of other stuffs coming up. People are stepping it up, and it's time to get together. So I, I'm, I would really want to hit the road this year, um, and uh, I'm just really hoping folks will can send in some donations so I can get on the road and stuff. I, I, I live by donations, and appreciate anybody who wants to help the site.
0: And they can do that on your website. It's like a PayPal kind of thing.
1: Yes. Yes, there's a donation button. Or if you know someone who's looking for someone to help, who's willing to do what it takes and wants to help me get on the road, I'd appreciate, appreciate anything that uh, they could throw our way because it's, it's a big job and it takes gas to run the car. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you, Zen. I really appreciate uh, your time.
1: Hey, thanks brother. It's really been great talking with you. I really look forward to more and I really wish you the best. Yes, you as well. it's, it's really great what you're doing and, and, uh, Um, the world needs more people like you
0: same to you man you're one of my favorites out there
1: I can't wait to dig into your music (laughs) (laughs) well thank you I appreciate it yeah all the best you've got a beautiful warm voice a very warm heart and uh, it's a real honor to know you brother
0: I totally feel the same way man thank you Zen Gardner everybody fantastic that's all I've got to say fantastic go check him out we'll see you soon